0: All right, I'm going to uh, take you to the Old Testament this morning. We're going to the book of Leviticus, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, third book in the Bible to the sixth chapter. And I'm going to begin with verse 8, Leviticus 6, beginning at verse number 8, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Command Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the law of the burnt offering. It is the burnt offering because of the burning upon the altar all night until the morning, and the fire of the altar shall be burning in it. And the priest shall put on his linen garment and his linen breeches, and shall be put upon his flesh, and shall take up the ashes which the fire hath consumed with the burnt offering on the altar, and he shall put them beside the altar. And he shall put off his garments and put on other garments and carry forth the ashes without the camp into a clean place. And the fire upon the altar shall be burning in it. It shall not be put out. And the priest shall burn wood on it every morning and lay the burnt offering in order upon it. And he shall burn therein the fat of the peace offerings. The fire shall ne- shall ever be burning upon the altar. It shall never go out. The fire shall ever be burning on the altar. It shall never go out. Let's give God a hand praise right now. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we pray your blessing today, God, upon the word in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you see seated, shake four or five, six people's hands, greet someone welcome into the house of God this morning. Introduce yourself if you're new or you're new to somebody. I want to speak to you what the Lord has laid on my heart this morning, and uh, I'm going to call it Keepers of the Flame. We are Keepers of the Flame. Leonard, Leonard Ravenhill, one of my favorite authors on prayer and revival, said in his book, America is Too Young to Die, he said, It is ordained in the eternal constitution of things that men of intemperate minds cannot be free. Their passions, Forge their change. Furthermore, no nation is better than its church, and no church is better than its people. Only God transformed personalities can change the moral fiber of the nation. In another of his books, Sodom Had No Bible, he said, In the holy war against the devil and his works, can we be choosy in our obedience? Can we pray when we like? Can we seek the fullness of the Spirit? When we are so disposed. No. If we are aware that now is the time for God to do a new thing. Then precedence must be shattered. Hallelujah. I want to talk to you about the movement of God. Right now. What is happening in our world. And in our church. There is a shaking and a stirring spiritually. And we need to come up to a place. Amen, where, where we can see God. Uh, work where we can see the transference of energy and power and anointing uh, uh, to the people around us. Now, the Bible says in Acts, two, uh, in Acts 2, the first four verses, now when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one place, in one accord. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spake with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I want to tell you this morning that the church of Jesus Christ, the church that he built upon a rock, the church against which the gates of hell cannot prevail, was not born in a swimming pool, but it was born in a blazing fire. Amen. It was born in the passion of prayer and of spiritual energy. Hallelujah. A fire fell from heaven. Amen. And so uh, we were born in the fire and we cannot live in the smoke. We need the Holy Ghost fire like we have never had before. We need it in our day. John the Baptist had prophesied. What he had prophesied was now coming to pass. John said, I baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, the latchet of whose shoes I'm not worthy to stoop down and unloose. I baptize you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. The Holy Ghost and fire. In the Bible... There are symbologies for the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost is all of these things. It's symbolizing all of these things. Jesus spoke of the Spirit as a well of living water, a springing up unto everlasting life. He spake of the Holy Ghost that they who drank of that water would never thirst again, that that would replace all of their thirst and hunger. It, it would satisfy the spiritual need. So the Holy Spirit is like water. But the Holy Spirit is also like fire. Amen. It can be both like water and like fire at the same time. Hallelujah. Amen. It is a fire of anointing. It is the the fiery passion of the Spirit of God. Amen. When God gets a hold of us, he who dwells in the midst of the burning fire, amen, touches us with the Holy Ghost and fire. And the prophet said, when he touched me, when I felt it, it was like fire shut up in my bones. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit is also symbolized and typified by oil, the oil of anointing. Amen. That oil of oil, that pure oil was poured upon the head of the priest to sanctify and ordain them and anoint them into ministry. Amen. It was poured on the heads of kings to anoint them. It was used and poured on the various uh, implements of the temple and of worship to anoint them and to separate and and to dedicate them to the work of God. Amen. So the Holy Spirit is like an anointing oil. Amen. That touches us and covers us. It is all of these things. Ephesians 1:13 and 14 says, In whom you also trusted, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of, of your salvation. In whom, after you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance with the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. What the Bible is telling us is, amen, that we have received something from God. We have received a spark, an anointing, a fire, a flame. And the scripture also says that Jesus Christ upon him was poured out or given the Holy Ghost without measure. He had all of it. There was no, no uh, limit to the capacity of the Spirit, uh, uh, of the Holy Spirit that was in Jesus, Amen. Because uh, He was that that uh, uh, the, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, would flow out from Him, would come from Him. So there was no measure given to Him, but to us, to us, there is entrusted into us uh, a a earnest of our inheritance, a down payment. It is simply a promissory note that when the time comes. Amen for the full purchase of our redemption which will take place at the resurrection or the rapture whichever comes first in our life. Amen. That that redemption, amen, will have been uh, accomplished uh, and, and purchased and made satisfactory and made sure by the down payment of the Holy Spirit in us. This is a remarkable thing that God would take some of the spirit that was in Jesus Christ And put it inside of us. Truly remarkable. Truly miraculous. If you read the Old Testament. And you read the prophets of the Old Testament. You will see some powerful prophecies. And people who had powerful spiritual experiences with God. They saw God. They heard God. God spoke to them. But the Holy Spirit was never given unto them. The Holy Spirit breathed upon them. Uh, It breathed upon them and spoke the inspired word of God through them. But when it was done, it was gone. They didn't have it. Those Old Testament prophets would have been jealous of you and I. They would have wanted what you and I have. Hallelujah. Because the same spirit that moved on them to give us the word of God now moves in us. Amen. To demonstrate the word of God and the work of God and the power of God in this world in which we live. Mark 16 and 17 tells us these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. If they, uh, they shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not harm them. They shall lay hands upon the sick. And they shall recover. There's some power in the Holy Ghost. There's some anointing in the Holy Ghost. God intended for us, amen, to be recipients and, and to be uh, useful in the areas of the, of the giftings of the Spirit. Amen. Uh, Jesus said in Luke ten nineteen, Behold, I give you power, power to tread upon serpents and upon scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means be able to hurt you. Oh, the giftings of the Holy Spirit. These are just the briefing the briefs, the briefs, the touchings of it. There were more. There were nine giftings of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, the, The word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, discerning of spirits, the gift of faith, gifts of healings, the workings of miracles, the gift of tongues, the interpretation of tongues, the gift of prophecy, adding to all of these other things. Amen. The giftings of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And these things Uh, We are recipients of these things. The church is the recipient of the vessel, amen, of all of the power and potentiality of the Holy Spirit. We have within us the tremendous agency to accomplish the mission Jesus Christ sent us to the mission. Preach the whole gospel to the whole world. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Amen. That seems like a big job. How can such a few people, it started out with a handful of 12 followers, reduced by one to 11, and then augmented by 120 in the upper room, which received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And then the word began to go out. But still, that is a tremendous job. How with these small group of people, with this newfound faith, this new religion, that seemed to be based upon an impossible claim, that someone who was a man was both man and God. And that man, though killed, though crucified, resurrected in three days and came back from the dead. Amen. And sent them, sent them, amen, with a message. Preach this gospel in all nations and baptize them and teach them the things that I've commanded you. The only way, the only way that those handful of people could have ever accomplished that was that they tarry in the city of Jerusalem until they be endued with the power from on high, which is the promise of the Father, which he said, you shall receive. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, thank God for the Holy Ghost. We have the promise of the Father in our lives. Hallelujah. Paul said in Ephesians 3 and 20, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according not to his power, but according to the power that worketh in us. Amen. The power that works in us is his power. Hallelujah. But we don't identify, we don't self-identify with God when we're faced with an impossible situation, when we're faced with a prayer that it doesn't seem like it can be answered, when we're faced with a sickness or an illness that seems like it must win the day, we do not self-identify with the God that is within us. Amen. And we come weekly, amen, to pray. And we do not pray in faith. We do not pronounce in faith. We do not demonstrate in faith. We do not walk in faith. Amen. Because we're not seeing what God has put inside of us. Hallelujah. 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 We have a pattern from the mount Over the centuries, God revealed himself and he anointed his plans with fire from on high. Hebrews 12 and 29 should not surprise us when I say this. Hebrews 12 and 29, for our God is a consuming fire. Everybody say it. Our God is a consuming fire. If you've ever seen a consuming fire, You know how dangerous and deadly it can be. I remember coming home many years ago, uh, and uh, we were on our way home, and as as we were coming down the street, it was dark, 10, 10.30 at night, Amen. we were approaching our neighborhood. I noticed a bright light lighting up the sky, and I looked, and I said, there's flames leaping over the tops of the trees in the houses, and, and we pulled around the corner and we came up and here was a house fully aflame fully ablaze no one on the street no fire trucks there nothing there amen we were like the first ones there and just as I pulled over the side of the road and got out of my car I was going to run to a house and knock on the door other doors started to open people started coming out but here was this fire coming out of windows coming out of the rooftop the house was fully engulfed amen It's it's an awful thing when you come upon a fire like that and you can see the potential harm in danger some years ago i think it was around brother jim helped me to 2010 maybe or so 2010 and the little village where i live two blocks from my house the main street of that village i uh, this, fire alarms were going off and the fire trucks were coming and coming and they just kept coming and coming and i went out and unfortunately and looked and I looked downtown amen, and there was a, the the buildings were on fire, the stores were on fire, and the blaze jumped from one building to another building to another building, amen, and it just burned, and it burned all night long, and it took out the main commercial center of that little village, and it never has been restored, and they pumped water on that fire all night long, but it just kept burning and burning and burning. It's an awful thing to see a consuming fire. If you've ever gone out and tried to start a fire, burn some rubbish or brush or whatever, you, you may know very well how, how dangerous a fire can be once you get it started. And, and you know what, I don't get, <laughs> pardon me, you young people, <laughs> who got yelled at at men's retreat for too big of a fire? now I'm going to tell you boys something I know fire is fun and we like to pile it on there and, and set things on fire and burn it but you know you don't realize how quickly things can get out of hand just a few sparks in the wrong place can set the woods on fire can set houses on fire I won't name names I, I could but I won't I won't name names we were burning some brush out here years ago on the side of the property over here cut down the sumac and we were burning this brush and i told the guys i said look contain this fire don't pile it on don't pile it on just burn a little bit and when it burns down put a little bit more on it burns down and when i went to work over here we do another work and next thing i know this this guy's got the fire blazing. and i mean he's just pouring it on it's blazing the sparks are flying and they're flying and they're landing on the roof of rosemary's barn And the roof is starting to ignite and catch on fire. Amen. The roof's starting to catch on fire. Oh, that was a close call that day. Hallelujah. A fire is a dangerous thing. You've got to be able to contain it. Amen. If it gets out of hand, you're going to be in trouble. But God is a consuming fire. He doesn't stop burning. Amen. He'll burn everything. You get too close to God, he'll light you up. You get too close to him, he'll light you up. Amen. Oh, somebody needs to get near the altar. Somebody needs to get close to where the fire is. Hallelujah. Problem with a lot of us is we don't want to be consumed. We want to have our cake and eat it, too. We want to have said, I spoke in tongues. I did it right. Now that's good enough. Nope. Hallelujah. Oh, and uh, like, the, like the old guy said, seek him aside, pass him on by. He didn't want anything to do with tongues. When the altar call comes, you're hanging in the back. Amen. You're hanging in the back. Amen. Because there's fire down here. It's burning. Hallelujah. Somebody got a hold of some fire. And it moved him to go to the altar and pray. I needed to pray. I needed to get a hold of God. I needed to get close to God. I'm running to the altar to pray. I, I need the touch of God in my life. Amen. When you get that when you get that close to God, everything gets turned upside down. Your pride goes down. It goes out. Hallelujah. Amen. No need for pride. No need for worrying about what other people think about you. Uh, don't worry about whether or not they, oh, he, She must be a terrible sinner. She went to the altar. Amen. No. What it is, is I got close to God. And I needed to get closer to God. I needed to touch him. I needed to burn. I needed to burn the dross and the straw and the rubbish and the garbage out of my life. I need to be on fire for God. Hallelujah. You ask me how I'm preaching like this, I don't know. My wife can tell you how sick and low of energy I've been with this terrible cold. But I'll tell you what, amen, the fire makes the difference. I'll sleep a long nap this afternoon and and try to recover from the energy. But right now, I got the fire. It's burning. It's burning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For our God is a consuming fire. Listen, it ain't got enough, amen, just to have a little touch, just a little spark. Some of us, we just get a little dab of the Holy Ghost. And we just speak a little bit in tongues and that's it. Let's go, Whoa, whoa, God. Oh, no, no. We need to be baptized in the spirit. We need to be poured in the spirit. We need to be covered in the spirit. Amen. And we need to be blathering and slobbering with other tongues. Amen. Just spilling it out. Hallelujah. Burn me, God. Burn me. Burn me. Kill me. Because he's a consuming fire, therefore, we must serve him with reverence and godly fear. From Abel. To Abraham, God accepted fire-burnt sacrifices for sin. God spoke to Moses from a burning, fiery bush that was not consumed. Moses was instructed to build a tabernacle and to institute a system of worship of God which centered upon sacrifice, sin, and atonement, which ultimately is linked in the thought and theology of the Old Testament. It's all about the fire. And without the fire, the sacrifice could do nothing. Without the fire, the sacrifice was a rotting carcass that would become an unclean thing if you touched it. Amen, no sacrifice given to God without the anointing of the Holy Spirit on it, without the fire on it, is meaningful to God. Pity the people who have given their lives to Christ as their Savior and have sacrificed great effort and wealth and money and built churches and done mission trips but have not gone with the thing that they needed to get before they left. Tarry until you be endued with power from on high for your sacrifice without the Holy Spirit is an unclean carcass to God it's only a carcass and in time it will smell and it will stink you need the fire to turn the sacrifice into something meaningful spiritually that's what God has ordained that's how God has ordained it to be that's how God has commanded it to be that's the pattern, the pattern from the mouth the pattern from the Old Testament to the New Amen. without the fire the sacrifice does not mean anything in the Old Testament, there were various kinds of sacrifices that were given upon an altar. The first kind was called a burnt offering, and that and it would be entirely burnt. Typically, a sacrifice would be the animal would be slaughtered, the blood would be collected, and sprinkled upon the altar and spilled. Uh, the, the carcass would be butchered on the north side of the altar. The entrails and the other parts that were non-consumable would be burnt upon the altar, and the meat. Uh, that would be uh, kept there would be for, for, for the priest to eat, for them to have food. But a burnt offering, a burnt offering was entirely burnt. And uh, what was a burnt offering about? Uh, you may say, well, it must have been some significant need of that person, uh, a spiritual. Oh, my, what a sin they must have committed that they should have to have a burnt offering, totally burnt. But no, that is not the, that's not what it was, a burnt offering. A burnt offering was a voluntary offering that signified complete surrender to God. It was something that you gave when you really just wanted to connect with God. It wasn't because you had committed a sin that you were trying to expiate yourself of. It was simply to say, God, amen, I completely want you. I desire you. I need to be close to you. Here is my sacrifice. I will not receive back any part of it. The priest will not receive back any part of it. No part of it will be saved or kept. It is a sacrifice offering to God. Bring me close to God. Oh, hallelujah. I wonder how freely we truly sacrifice to God. No, we don't come with an animal and and burn them, but there are other ways that we can sacrifice involuntary surrender to God just because he's God, just because I want to get close to him, just because I want to feel him, just because I am inviting him into my life, and I, I want to experience him in a fuller measure. One way, amen, that we can do this is to bring to the Lord the sacrifice of praise. Hallelujah. The sacrifice of praise is a voluntary offering to God. Amen. It is putting a God on the throne. It is lifting God up. It is not caring what other people think about you or God, but it is just you and God and sacrificing praise and worship to God. Hallelujah. I praise you, Lord. I love you. Hallelujah. Brother Yassine, it is in this way that Free Spirit Fellowship as Apostolic Pentecostal church is different, is so different from so many movements and denominations and churches. Because when you come here, you don't know what to expect. It will not be the same every time. There's not going to be a ritual. Amen. But you're going to see people responding to the Holy Spirit freely during the worship service. You saw them come and lay on their face in the altar during worship service. Come and kneel on the altar and pray. Amen. What are they doing? They're responding to a fire. Something touched them in the worship. A fire touched them and brought them. I got to get close to the altar where the fire is. I need the fire. Hallelujah. And it was this that you saw that we Christians had. Hallelujah. That you had not seen uh, in other places except for one other time in your life. Amen. We Christians had this fire, this passion, this anointing. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, amen. We, we were not born in a, in a refrigerator. We were not. Uh, we didn't come to life in a test tube. Uh, uh, we didn't come to life in, in a freezer. Amen. Uh, but we came to life in the fire. Amen. And, and we have got to incubate that fire. Amen. We have got to keep that fire going. Hallelujah. We're keepers. Keepers of a divine flame there was a fellowship offering which may be shared in a communal feast and uh, the parts that couldn't be eaten would be burnt the rest of it would be shared there was a sin offering which was a mandatory offering for unintentional sin or have for having become ritually unclean you would bring the sin offering and then there was a the guilt offering the guilt offering was when you had defrauded someone or damaged someone or done harm to someone you had to first of all for the guilt offering to do you any good you had to make restitution and to make restitution was to restore one-fifth above what you had defrauded them or the value of what you had defrauded them and uh, one way that people are guilty in the old testament of defrauding god is in tithe and offerings yeah. malachi three ten. will a man rob god yet you have robbed me in tithe and offerings And the penalty under the law of Moses is if you kept back part of your tithe, that when you restored it to God, you paid an additional fifth, 20%. You added 20% to it. So think about that the next time you are tempted to rob God of your tithe. Because when payday comes, you're going to owe him interest. Because after all, he's been carrying you without you doing what you should do. Amen. He's been carrying you and looking after you. Amen. And you owe him. Well, oh, this is not... This is all right. Amen. Amen. So there was the guilt offering. And it was uh, uh, done in order to uh, restore. And once you've restored the property loss then you come to God and you make it up with God. Amen. You see, when you defraud someone else, it's not just between you and them, it's between you and them and God. When you do wrong to somebody else, it's not just between you and them, it's between you and them and God. If you've done me wrong, and some of you have, and you say nothing, you don't make it right. You don't admit you did wrong and say, I want to be restored to you, pastor. I want to be restituted all you're praying and talking to god is not going to do you any good hallelujah because you've got to make it right first you got to if your brother has offended you the bible says leave your gift at the altar go to your brother make things right with your brother then come back with your gift and offer it to god you see that is a guilt offering that is restitution the power of apology and the power of forgiveness are so important to human society that even your mothers raised you better than that. Hallelujah. Shame on you for making your child say I'm sorry to somebody, but you won't say I'm sorry to somebody when you've done them wrong. Shame on you. Well, i got to get off of that. This is going to be a positive message after all. Hallelujah. I just threw that in there to tweak the thing a little bit. (laughs) All of this offering requires fire. It all requires fire. You ever try to get a fire started under damp or inclement conditions? Man, it's just brain for days and days, and now you're out there, you're trying to get your brush to burn. Oh, my goodness. Uh, hallelujah. Oh, my goodness. See, I'm not worried about you. I'm not worried about you getting too fired up in the Holy Ghost. We've got enough wet blankets in here to put you out. <laughs> hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm not worried about you getting too crazy for God. Uh, that's going to be a rare thing. I want to see a bush being burned and not consumed. I want to see that. Bring me to that. Hallelujah. It's a hard job to get a fire started on wet wood and wet kindling. It's a hard job. Just try and try. Amen strike, pour gasoline on it, nothing, nothing works, amen. It's got to be uh, kindling. It's got to be dried out. It's got to be prepared. It's got to be ready. You know what? It should be so easy for God to start a fire in us because a lot of us are just a bunch of old dried up wood, dried up, dried out (laughs) sticks laying around. Forever, never having been touched by a spark in the longest time, our spirits are dried out. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. You don't need to worry about water. You need to get the fire. Yeah. The fire fell from heaven on the day the tabernacle was ordained and anointed. The first day that it was set to its job to work, the fire came. From heaven, it fell upon the sacrifice. And Moses gave them strict orders. The fire must burn all night long. It must never go out. The fire must never go out. Hallelujah. And now that would have been a problem for a people that were traveling 40 years in the wilderness because they may set up camp for 24 hours and they got to pack it up and go again. Or three days, and they got to pack it up and go. Or maybe they're going to be somewhere for 16 or 18 months, and then they got to pack it up and go again. All this time, every time they set it up, they set the tabernacle up, they put the altar there. Amen. There had to be two sacrifices a day one in the morning, and one in the evening. The morning sacrifice and the evening sacrifice that was so very important. Uh, for these people amen because uh this was to cover the sins of the nation and the people amen somebody may have fallen into sin that day and not have brought their sacrifice or maybe not been aware that they'd committed a sin or didn't have the money to buy the bull that they needed or whatever amen and so the morning and the evening sacrifices were were national sacrifices. They were the insurance program to cover the nation for the individual who might step out of line. Because when an individual had failed and fallen, as Achan did, it could bring severe judgment upon the rest of Israel. And when a Christian, an individual, fails and takes communion, there could be an issue or a problem, an issue, or a problem for the rest of the church. So it is so vital and so important. Amen. That we understand. There needs to be a morning and an evening sacrifice. In our life spiritually. This this can relate to a, a spiritual uh, situation here. Uh, where um, we are in devotion before God. Where we are meeting with God. Morning and evening. A time We set aside to be with God. Amen. A sacrifice, an anointing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Again, in Solomon's temple, the holy fire fell. When that new temple was built, it fell. For over 400 years, the priest of God kept that initial fire burning that fell on the tabernacle plan in the wilderness when they traveled. How did they keep the fire burning? They took coals from the altar. They put them in earthen vessels and they kept kindling. And all the time they were traveling, they kept feeding it, kindling. Just a little spark, amen, would be enough to start the next burnt sacrifice. Just a little spark, just a little bit in an earthen vessel. Never let the fire go out. And there's a priest or a Levite carrying that vessel. Amen. Walking through the wilderness, through the desert. Amen. And he's dropping in kindling and he's blowing on it. He's fanning the flame. (sighs) Keep the fire going. It's your job to keep the fire going. You're the guy. I've given you the earthen vessel. Hallelujah. Amen. Who who am I going to give? Here, here. Here, Brother Andrew. Come here. Hallelujah. Amen. I've given you this earthen vessel. Hallelujah. I've put the fire in you. Now, we're going to walk through the wilderness. you got to keep the fire going. Keep blowing on it. Amen. Keep blowing. Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep it stirred up. Don't let the fire go out. It's your job. You're the keeper of the flame. You are the keeper of the flame. Thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The problem with the five foolish virgins was they had the lamps They had them trimmed, but they had no oil. And without oil, there could be no fire. There could be no flame. The oil is the Holy Spirit. And when it is ignited, it burns. It flames. It burns. It's passionate. Amen. And it will get the job done. And those that did not have the Holy Spirit in them, could not go, amen, when the bridegroom came. They could not go. Only those that were prepared, that had the oil and the fire ready and the wigs trimmed and the filled they were the only ones because without the fire, without the fire, it is all meaningless. It means nothing. It's a waste without the fire. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Now, this is exciting. In both the Old Testament and in the New Testament, when God got ready to start his new plan and ordain his new thing, fire fell from heaven. You see what I'm saying? Amen. In the New Testament, amen, we're going to get into the church age, the age of grace. God has a new plan of salvation. There's a new plan going. Hallelujah. Amen. And how does God anoint it? Fire fell from heaven. Cloven tongues like as a fire set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Now you may ask yourself the question, why did it only happen that one time in the book of Acts? Well, it's because it only happened that one time when the tabernacle was ordained. And only that one time when the temple was anointed and ordained. Now the church is being anointed with fire from heaven. It's being ordained. It's being anointed. And it's the church's job to make sure the fire does not go out. Hallelujah. Somebody started letting the fire go out in the second and third centuries A.D. And on through the Middle Ages, the Dark Ages, the fire was nearly extinguished. It was only just a handful of heretics that were still receiving the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues, baptizing in Jesus' name, like the Bible says, just a handful of them. And the church made sure to exterminate them and to light them up in in flames of fire and burn them on piers, amen, and destroy them. But whenever they put the fire out in Jerusalem, it sprang up in Judea, amen. And when it couldn't get from Judea, it got in Samaria, and it jumped over from Samaria to Syria, to Damascus, hallelujah, amen, and it got a hold uh, of the Christians there, hallelujah, amen and it begin to leap and spread throughout the whole world and I'm going to tell you until the rapture takes place this fire of the Holy Ghost is going to be poured out it's going to be poured out hallelujah because this was a new day this was the dawning of a new day a new thing was about to happen this is that Peter said, spoken by the prophet Joel, that in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And upon my servants and on my handmaids, in that day will I pour out of my spirit. Amen. The fire fell then, and it's still burning today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. It has been since reported, no longer did it happen in the scripture, but it has been since reported that this phenomenon of fire falling (coughs) has happened again. It was reported several times that it happened over the building at 212 Azusa Street in 1906 when this Pentecostal revival, amen, that sparked around the world was lit up for that three-year revival and they would see tongues of fire over that building. It has happened in South America where the Holy Ghost is being brought out in buildings, in, in, in arenas and centers where people are gathering. People have been walking down the streets and seeing the roof of the building on fire and calling the fire department. The fire department comes and there's no fire. There's no uh, there's no consuming fire, but there's a burning bush fire. Hallelujah. Amen. So God, uh, sometimes when the Holy Spirit is being opened up in in a new area. You may see that happening. It's a sign of the anointing. It's a sign. Let's stand together. I've got to bring this to a close. Hallelujah. But we, we are the earthen vessels into which God has put a spark of fire, a measure of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to tell you, it is our job, not God's job. To keep the fire going in us. Yes. It's God's Holy Ghost. He gave it to you. He gave it to you. What are you going to do with it? What are you doing with God's Holy Spirit. In your earthen vessel. It's not God's job. To revive you. It's your job. To be revived. How do I get revived? I got to put some more wood on the fire. I got to blow on it. I've got to fan the flame. I gotta get back to the altar. Amen. When the fire is falling. I've got to be consumed by the Holy Spirit. I've got to be caught on fire. I've got to be burned alive. For my God is a consuming fire, and I need to be burned alive. Hallelujah. We are the ones responsible for keeping. The fire burning in our life. Passion, not ritual. See, that was the problem in the Old Testament. And Isaiah got after them. You'll read it in Isaiah. God says, away with your burnt sacrifices and your offerings. I don't want any of it. Why? Because you you do these things on the outside, but in your heart, you don't worship me in your heart. It's not there in your heart. It needs to be in your heart. Amen. Religion is nothing more than a ritual to appease the conscience of man. To make him think he's getting connected to God. We need more than a ritual. We need more than a religion. We need an anointing. We need a passion. We need a connection. We need a spiritual touch. We need a consuming fire. A consuming fire. Hallelujah. How do I feed my fire? I feed my fire with anointed prayer. The effectual, fervent, which means fiery, prayer of the righteous, hallelujah, does much. I feed my fire with anointed prayer, with anointed preaching, with anointed scripture, hallelujah. Did you know that the Holy Ghost speaks Bible? The language of the Holy Ghost is Bible. That's how we got the Bible. The language of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Spirit-inspired words. The Holy Ghost speaks Bible. That's why when we read the Bible and we have the Holy Spirit, amen, something can get a hold of our heart. It can jump over into our mind, our consciousness, our awareness. God, I need to repent. I need to pray through. I, I need a touch from heaven because the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. We can feed our fire through anointed service. Service. Amen. Service is more than just coming to church one day a week. Hallelujah. Somebody that's on fire for God assembles every time the door is open. Just not one day a week. But every chance you get to be in church is an indication of the fire that's burning in your heart, amen. An indication of the fire burning in your heart is, do you keep your own routine of prayer and Bible study at home? Are you being self-responsible to read the word of God and to talk to God when you're not in church? Are you being self-responsible? Because if you're not, you're not doing your job keeping the fire burning. I shared this on Wednesday night, and I won't take long to say it again, but when I was at General Conference this year, I have never felt such an impact of the anointing presence of God in my entire life of going to General Conference for years and years and years. One reason was my spiritual condition of brokenness before the Lord. You cannot really begin to connect with God unless you are broken. Pride stands in the way of God's Spirit moving in your life. I'm not going to raise my hands. I'm not going to sing. I'm not going to dance. I'm not going to shout. I'm not going to the altar. Pride stands in our way of connecting to God. We need to be spiritually broken before we can really begin to feel what God is doing. But there was so much anointing for the first time in my life. And many other times I went there, I always would have difficulties and issues, you know, things going on, attitudes, problems, you know. Young men are full of themselves. And I was. Then, uh, you know, you don't find your place there, you know. And then uh, now I'm an old guy and uh, I still haven't found my place, but I'm not full of myself anymore. I mean, I'm just letting God do what He's going to do. But let Him do what He's going to do. You know, it is what it is, God. Hallelujah. I got nothing to prove. I just want to be near you. There was so much anointing, there were thousands of people there. Uh, maybe, maybe four or five thousand, could be as many as seven thousand people were in that place. And I guarantee you, and I said this once today, I guarantee you that if I'd gone into any apostolic Pentecostal church of four or five or seven thousand people, I would not have felt that level of anointing. But the reason why I felt that level of anointing, I felt, was because it was all these thousands of people were almost probably 80% or more pastors and wives pastors and wives all these men of God and women of God you don't know the value you have in the pulpit in a man of God and a woman of God you don't know the value you have they're not just anybody they're not just some other saint in the church there's somebody that has a connection with God they speak for God they think what God thinks they tell you what God thinks Hallelujah. And these powerful people of God were there, and they all had brought their spark in their vessel. They had all brought their measure of the Holy Spirit to that meeting. Amen. And what a difference in the meeting and the spiritual energy that was there. Because these vessels had more than the average level of fire of the Holy Ghost in them. Now think of the implications and what that would mean for this church. And for us. If we all understood that what God has put inside of me, I am responsible for it. And when I come to church, I'm bringing what I have with me. And is it just a spark? Or is it a flame? Is it a burning flame? Hallelujah. Every once in a while, you'll see somebody in the church. They'll break out in the Holy Ghost. They'll break out, they'll shout, they'll dance. What that is, is the flame is burning. It's burning, hallelujah. You want to get close to those people. You want to get warm yourself by their fire. Don't, don't look down your nose at them and say, oh, you know, Sister So-and-So is doing it again. Don't look down your nose at them, but get close to that fire. They say, I need a little of that. Warm me up. I need some anointing. Oh, hallelujah. Let's worship God. Let's worship God.